Okay, and welcome back to another episode of Tea Time with Mother and Crone. I know my background does look a little different, y'all. Um, as I said before, I'm on the road this week. Um, I am actually filming from the wild and wonderful state of West by God, Virginia. Um, and a little Appalachia information boost going on here. Um, but before we get started, as always, I'm going to turn this one over to my Linda, and she's going to let us know what's in her cup tonight. Yes. So tonight we are talking about St. John's wort. It is a very, very good herb. Um, it's actually a pretty popular herb. You might have seen it. They're very pretty yellow flowers. And they actually have a lot of good, um, not only medicinal benefits, but also magical benefits. Um, so you might have seen them around. They're these really pretty yellow flowers. Try not to get the glare there. <clears throat> Let me take a look here. So they are, uh, let's see here. As I said, very beneficial. They're good for burns and wounds. They're also good for inflammation, which I thought was really interesting. Um, but they're also really good for um, depression and anxiety, which I thought was interesting. Um, but I want to talk a bit about some history because this is another one of those good ones that have been around for ages and ages, like a lot of the herbs that we've discussed. Um, it is native to Europe, Western Asia, and Northern Africa, though it is spread everywhere. Um, it is also called Hypercum um, or St. John's wort. It is a perennial plant, again, used for centuries in popular medicine to heal burns, wounds, skin inflammation, and also mild depression and anxiety, as we talked about. Um, it has been known and used for its health benefits since ancient Greece. And Dioscorides, I always mess those up, um, was a Greek physician who recommended it to drive off evil spirits. And then he actually realized St. John's wort was a mood booster. And then before him, Hippocrates suggested that its extracts actually soothed jaundice, colds, insomnia, and hysteria. Oh, hysteria. I know. Um, and then Paris, Paracelsus. A Swiss physician of the 6th century suggested St. John's wort to cure anxiety, depression, and neurological issues. Um, and then also topically, it was recommended to heal wounds and burns. And then in the Middle Ages, um, it was hung onto house doors and windows to drive off demons, nightmares, and ghosts. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Gee, all the fun guys. I know. And you know, I love the Middle Age stuff and the medieval stuff. Um, and of course, the, the flowers are used um, for oils. You can make salves um, and things like that, tinctures. It's also good for um, premenstrual syndrome, seasonal affective disorder, menopause-related mood disorders, um, 
you can use the oils. Um, the oil is what you would use for the burns, um, atopic dermatitis. You can also use it for psoriasis, sunburns, muscle aches are some other uses. Um, and then it just goes a little bit into more detail about the dosages um, and what it can do for depression. So I thought that was interesting. And again, also always check with your doctor um, before taking that or any herb, of course. Um, but I also want to talk about the magical because this is another one of those fun ones that has all the, all the interesting things about it. Um, it is a masculine herb. Oh, element is fire and rolled by the sun. And then the powers are animals, commanding confidence, courage, um, exorcism, um, like we heard from the Middle Ages, uh, good luck to increase power of spells, magic, overcoming opposition, protection, psychic protection, spellbreaking, strength, and success. So those are some good ones. Wow. That is some interesting stuff. I, I like the exorcism part. That I know, I know, right? Well, with me tonight for some reason. Well, you know, I also find it interesting because St. John's work kind of reminds you of Catholicism. Exorcism has to be a priest. So, you know, kind yeah, of. It kind of goes in there just a little bit. We can mess that up real good. Of that's the way I think of it because my husband's favorite movie is The Exorcist. So that's just the way my brain works. Linda Blair. <laughs> I know horror movie fans so you know okay and then it says um okay so then it goes into the um medicinal there so some other interesting things you can use it for strength health protection and happiness spells um and it goes in again to say if you hang it near a door or a window it can help protect against evil spirits and it's traditionally dried over midsummer fires. Oh, now that's interesting. Midsummer fires. Yes. Very so, specific. Yes, very specific. And then it also says you can um, place St. John's wort on jars and place them near doors or windows, and it will have the same effect. Okay, well, you want to protect your home, a little St. John's wort can go a long way. Exactly. And then it also goes into the evil spirits again when it says when burned the vibrations of the herb dispel evil spirits. So it seems to be a so very we're gonna burn it and dispel evil spirits. Okay. Yes. Well, I'll tell you when it burns, it stinks. So maybe that's where that happens. <laughs> they don't like the smell, so they leave. Possibly. And then this was a this was a cute one I wanted to share. It says, um, it is a fairy plant. So Ooh. I thought you would love this. Ooh. It says, stepping on St. John's wort may cause a fairy horse to rise up and take the mortal on a wild ride lasting all night. This herb can be used to break fairy spells and cure illness caused by fairy darts. It offers protection from fae and from fairy spells. 
interesting about that part that I, I did not know any of that about the fairies, but what is very interesting is St. John's wort is a major herb that contributed to antidepressive medication. That's why it's extremely important if you ever drink St. John's wort tea, you notify your doctor, especially if you're on any antidepressants, because right. this will increase the antidepressant and you might not need it increased. Right. But many people in a depressed state will sometimes, as you know, you get depressed, you get, you know, moody and other things. Um, so the dispelling part with the fairies and a wild night ride tie right in with deep depression, manic depression, bipolar, and schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. Oh, I sound like I know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> but if you tie all that in, that's some of these herbs, there's always a kernel of truth in a myth or a mm -hmm. magical use for something. If you think about that and it, no, you're no longer depressed, your mood enhances either by burning it and inhaling the smoke, because that will happen. So if you do burn it, please be aware again, um, make sure that you speak with your doctor if you're on antidepressants or anything like that. St. John's wort's a very powerful herb and it's used yes. in many things. So I just caution everybody with that. But if you think about it, if you're depressed and everything, you do a little St. John's wort, all of a sudden you are happy. You might be riding that fairy horse. Um, that would sound like a lot of fun to me. I, I would definitely have to go out there and run across a couple of them just to I know. get that I was, ride. <laughs> I wish I'd have known that. I'd have been out there today running across a couple of them. I know. I was like, oh my gosh, Pam is going to love this. <laughs> yes, I am. I'm going to have to go out and smash some St. John's wort now with my feet so I can get that fairy ride. Um, what happens yeah. if they don't show up? Do I get to say something? Maybe. I don't know. Might not want to talk back to the fairies. I am playing with my camera for a second here. Um, have a few technical difficulties here. Um, I am in um, a very small coal mining community in West Virginia. My accent, I'm sorry, I apologize now because it's been slipping in and out. I did really kind of good at the ritual and then I just lost it all. And oh, we had a real good Southern ritual. Almost sounded like a revival meeting. Um, <laughs> It's so bad. I know it's terrible. I'm here, you know, an hour and it's back again. Um, this is my natural accent. Um, I lost it or attempted to lose it in Baltimore and I did really good. And I do really good when I read the ritual, but when I spoke afterwards, it was like, Oh, it's all over. Um, so I did come up here. Um, I got it out of Florida before the uh, hurricane hit, which I was quite happy about because my flight was only delayed by about an hour or so. Um, I did make it up here. Um, our airport is rather <clears throat> small. So yeah, it is very small. Um, it's a little tiny airport and it has, um, oh, y'all are going to laugh when you see that. It has um, one runway. <clears throat> yeah, one. We have a runway. And we have um, two booths, United and Allegiant. And that's it. And yeah, when you get off the airplane, you, you've got to run across the tarmac to actually go in. Um, here is 
do not laugh. This is the airport. This is us going in from the airport. I don't know how well that's coming out, is it? <laughs> not, so, not that well. Not that well. Well, um, this is us walking in. We, you have to walk across the tarmac and inside and go into the building. So oh, if it's right. raining, you will definitely get wet. Um, yeah, that. And as I said, oh, that's a lousy picture. I'll have to get a better picture on my way out to show you all what the, hmm, yeah, the two booths look like. Uh, this is the entire inside of the airport. That, the whole airport. The whole airport. Okay. No! Now that we visited that, that was rather interesting. Um, I told y'all that I was coming up here and we had talked about um, the first Father's Day and we talked about the first Mother's Day, both which occurred and happened in West Virginia, one in Grafton and one in Fairmont. Um, the first Father's Day, it's actually a very, very large church in Fairmont and it has a banner that goes across the front and says the first Father's Day and it says, oh, read, um, July 5th, 1908. Now, what is interesting, the reason it did not take off as well as you thought it might have taken off was there was a mine uh, incident or accident uh, that happened in July of 1908. And um, what happened was it was really sad in West Virginia. They had um, the mine went and it was... Uh, it was the Monongahela mine, um, and they lost 250 men, and that happened um, right after um, the Father's Day was held in um, 1905, and six disasters occurred in 1905, the greatest number in any year, but the biggest one was the parole mine in Fayette County and killed 23 miners. The other one killed 258 miners. So um, it was bad. And the Father's Day never took off because that incident, of course, overshadowed Father's Day. So it took it a little bit of time for it to catch up after that. So that was a rather sad thing. But when you work in a coal mine, those are the things that happen. So rather than dwell on that, we're going to go on to a couple things about West Virginia. Um, the first one we're going to talk about, y'all are going to love this. In 1966-1967, that year, um, there was an interesting creature that appeared to quite a number of residents in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, which happens to sit where the Ohio River comes down. And it was a very large 10-foot creature with wings and red eyes. And do not laugh, it was called Mothman. Yes. <laughs> and I know there is a documentary out because I watched it the other night again to get caught up because it had been a while. Um, I do remember the 1966 incident. At that time, the original Batman series with Adam West was on television. And they believe that that's kind of probably how they got Mothman. Um, this very large creature um, actually chased people, rode on cars. Um, it was all happening around, there was a munitions um, facility on the river at Point, um, at Point Pleasant. And 
they called it the TNT area because it was a munitions area and it was used during World War II. And it was right on the river so they could just load the stuff up on the barges and move it. And this creature evidently kind of liked it there. So Mothman came on board and it terrorized the locals for about a year. And there were well over 150 sightings. Of this I mean this was not a one time one person saw you know like Bigfoot one person saw it and it's Bigfoot this was 150 sightings in one year there is a museum in Point Pleasant that is the Mothman Museum and every September they have a very very large parade and they get in up to 10,000 people go to see it um, it is huge. It is really huge for the area. And unfortunately, right after that, they claim that it's called the Mothman um, Legacies, that the bridge that goes across the Ohio that took everybody from West Virginia to Ohio actually fell through at Christmas in 1967. So they thought that the Mothman proceeded that incident and caught not caused it, but caused a reaction and, you know, just said, Hey, you know, I'm here and this is what's going to happen kind of thing. Um, there were writers from far away as New York coming down to write articles. There was a book written. Um, there was a documentary done and it is on Netflix. It's a freebie. So you can pop on and get that one. There was also a movie made, I think, in 2015 or sometime like that, which I started to watch, but it didn't have nothing to do with what I saw in the documentary. So I'm not sure where that came from, but we all know what they do with movies in Hollywood. So just, you know, take a look at the Wicker Man from 75 and then the one Nicolas Cage did there. You wouldn't even think it was the same movie. But Mothman was a very, very big thing for West Virginia. Um, they believe it may have been now uh, i'm going to be honest with y'all there are large cranes that migrate across west virginia if you live in west virginia you know what they look like because you've seen them so right. for them to be saying it's a large crane sandhill crane i kind of like oh, don't think so but anyway it did it it terrorized the whole place uh new york Writers came down, they wrote all kinds of stories about it. Um, it was very, very well published all over. Um, of course, with a lot of, you know, West Virginia drinking moonshine, saw the Mothman type thing. A lot of, and there's been a lot of the paranormal, like especially, <clears throat> excuse me, with the podcasting going on. Like my husband and I, we love listening to like those paranormal type ghost story type podcasts and stuff. Um, Cause there's some pretty decent podcasts out there that aren't super cheesy or corny. Um, cause they tell it sort of like a true crime sort of, they're very well produced. And there's been a couple really intriguing stories about Mothman and it's like, Ooh, like it's really like convincing and it's like, Oh my, you know? And I didn't, I, I like the Mothman Richard Gere movie. <laughs> I like the, <laughs> I didn't follow what, Really, I know it never does. It never does because it's hard. like, okay, this is not even close. Um, right. But it was a it was a very scary incident, and it 
became such an incident that people were not leaving their homes. They were terrified. Um, it wasn't like it was one sighting in one spot. It was all over that area. And if you listen to the documentary, you will actually hear the recordings of the people who originally saw it because they recorded, they voice recorded. I've seen the documentary. Is it on Netflix? It's free on Netflix. Yes, you can go on and look at I don't it. Know if I've seen the documentary. I may, Mike and I have, may have seen it a really long time ago. I don't know. Um, it's not, it just goes over the newspaper articles. You hear the actual people. There are some still around that were there and they talk about it. But the people that are, are no longer with us, they have their voices where they recorded them. The people went out and, you know, did interviews and recorded their voices so you can hear them tell their story. Now, if you listen to those people, they are not playing games. They, they were definitely scared. There was definitely something that was not normal. Let, let's put it that way. Now, I don't know how many of y'all been into the wonderful great state of West Virginia, but it is quite mountainous. It is quite heavily forested. It's, um, it's kind of wild. I mean, the description wild, wonderful West Virginia is true. There's a lot of dead area, what we would call dead area that has not been touched in years and it's all woods. So you'll go from a small populated area. You follow this winding road up and down and back and forth and you get to the next one in between that area. Um, it is heavily forested. Um, you're lots of deers, lots of, you know, little critters all around. So the whole idea is that these people knew the area they live in. If you live here, you can do 50 miles an hour on these little one lane roads because you know where the turns are. So these people actually know their area pretty well. So for them to find something unusual in the area and then the first time it was really caught was it was uh, two married couples, young married couples. Um, they were driving along. Uh, it actually followed their vehicle and it was going as fast as the guide's vehicle was going. And he claimed he was doing around 80 miles an hour on the flats and it was keeping up with them. So, you know, that's pretty scary. But um, we also talked about Mother's Day. So we're going to jump between, you know, the unusual and the semi sort of normal. Uh, <laughs> just, just to keep things in vogue here. Mother's Day was actually done in Grafton, West Virginia, and that is just down from Fairmont. Um, it is a wonderful old church. It is absolutely beautiful. It, um, I'm going to try to see it. It's had, um, quite a number of plaques on the front door and it tells you, you can do tours. They actually have tours and they have a gift shop and everything. We did not sign up to do the tour today because we weren't even sure we were going to get down there, but it's Andrews Methodist Episcopal church is where it was the first day. So I do have, um, I'm going to have to wind this back a little bit so we can see what I'm doing here. Okay. Let's just, up and pretend like we didn't see it. Um, so we took a drive in. My cousin has been, oh my, I got three cousins, uh, have 
actually 20 cousins back here, but three of my cousins decided to um, entertain their cousin and I got chauffeured to all of these spots. So I do thank my cousins. I holler out to you and it, Debbie, Crystal and Kelly. Um, it, it's been fun. We've, we've had a blast back here. Um, but the church is a very old wooden door church. Um, as you can see, it's, it's quite old. I will get these up on the website if I can. The problem I'm having is some of these are so big because I got a little too long winded pushing buttons, but this tells you where it's at. Um, this is all on the church. It has a very nice shrine on the side of the church. Um, and this is the town where it's at. This is Grafton. That is so cool. We are on Main I, Street. See, I always thought those little small towns were cool. Like where you just have to go to Main Street and there's like your hardware store and your deli and like your, like everything's on the one little street. I've always thought those little towns were neat. I'm sorry. I just, because uh, I've always been in a huge city my whole life. Right. Well, I just, yeah. I you know. Need to that's a very tall church. Yes. And I understand people who have never lived in a small town think it's so Mayberry. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it would be. Cool. And as you walk around the church, you can see right there is a enormous statue, uh, a dedication area where you can actually sit. Oh, nice. Um, they really went all out for this. This is beautiful. This is I mean, this, you want to talk about Mayberry? Okay, We're, we'll talk Mayberry. Just check it out. It, like, reminds me of, like, a Lifetime movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is. not. I say Lifetime because I don't do Hallmark unless it's The Good Witch. Sorry. I'm not well, trying to be rude. I'm trying to look up that Mothman documentary and see if it's on Netflix. It is. We watched it the other night. <laughs> okay. That's what I'm looking. That's why I have my head down. I'm trying to look it up. But it's an old church there, this beautiful stained glass windows. Oh my gosh, they are absolutely gorgeous. Um, and they do have them protected, so it's kind of great. But I, I wanted y'all to see, yeah, that's a little piece of history there. Now, I get comments all the time about West Virginia. Mm. Um, I did live here. Um, it was interesting while we decided to go to lunch while we were in Grafton at a little deli thing. Yeah. And come to find out the B&O Canal. Okay. The B&O Railroad, and it was called the B&O Canal Railroad for a long time. They actually have this. This is a historic, um, welcome to historic Grafton. And it shows you the B&O cart, and that is the B&O Railroad caboose. Oh, that's cool. So that is in the middle of Grafton on Main Street, mind you, because the church is at East Main Street. We took our lunch at West Main Street, the other side of the road that come down the... <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, oh, it's, it is that bad. I mean, it's funny, but it's not. Yeah, no, that's, that is crazy. <laughs> yeah. So actually, as you pull into Grafton and to see the church, it actually has a very large sign. I'm trying to show everybody. Um, it had a large sign that said right there, First Mother's Day. And this is the church and the area around it. As you can see, honestly, it is cute. Um, That's cute. Yeah, it is cute. But it's nice. Now, everybody asks me about West Virginia. Like, what are the roads like? 
That is a straight drop. From the oh top yeah, the that's road. the best roads to ride your bike on with no handlebar. Like um, I'm going to tell you, the angle of this is almost 35 degrees. You you would be doing about 150 by the time you hit the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's what you do when you're a super kid, though. Yes, that's going you straight when you're, playing, when you're playing truth or dare, and that's what you do on a double dog dare. Now, <laughs> everybody asks me, how do they build in West Virginia? We literally build into the mountain. You see the car, the truck, the house behind it is another level up. Oh. So it goes level by level by level. Yeah. So your house, if it's at the top, you have to drive all the way down to mm -hmm. get to the main road. So yeah. it was fun. Um, we had a wonderful time. We um, got to see a lot this time that I don't always get to see. Um, we did go to, now this was interesting. We went to the witch's grave. Okay. It is in Mannington which I'm staying about maybe 15 minutes away from Mannington. I actually, when as a younger, small child, uh, used to go to Mannington a lot. And we, um, we took a hike and we went into Mannington to see this wonderful. Now, I went on the website and brought up the information so we could kind of figure it out. Um, I had never heard of the Witch of Mannington, and I lived here. I asked my cousin, who has lived here all of her life, and she didn't hear nothing. We went to dinner with my cousin and his wife, my cousin's brother, and he's like, oh, yeah, that's up on Howland. And we're like, gone. So evidently, some of us know it and some of us don't. Um, but the witch, uh, I went on the site that had the information, and a lot of the information on the young lady's site is not correct. Hmm. There was a witch grave, and I do have the pictures. We actually went. You can believe that. Um, first out, it starts at Highland Church, Ooh. and it is a little clapboard church. It is teeny tiny. Um, and that is where it is at. Now, in order to get to this church, we had a little bit of a rainstorm here, a little bit of a blow storm. And this is what happens in the mountains when the wind blows. That tree is across the road. We had so much fun getting there today. It was like, oh my gosh. So, and um, not all of the roads in West Virginia are um, finished, shall we say. So, okay. Um, we went to the church. And let me see if I can find the video of us coming home. Yes. Um, this is, I'm filming in the truck as we are going over the gravel road. And we can only do about two miles an hour because it is so steep and it is so windy and it's only barely big enough for the wonderful little thing to get through so i mean it was great oh, why is that not working there we go oh my gosh that's crazy so you will see us yeah it was yeah. 
So, wow. Yeah, and, and this is in its this windy down. If you get seasick, do not ever go to West Virginia. You will definitely need the drama me. <laughs> oh my goodness. This is the road. It was so much fun. And my cousin was kind enough. Um, I met two of my other cousins there. And my one cousin was kind enough to drive us back here. She's like, sure, no problem. Um, and she got on there and, and drove us back. Now, in the documentary, it claimed that the woman, they gave her name. Um, and they said that um, her grave had been, it had been buried in 1908. She was actually buried in 1905. Um, and they said her tombstone, her gravestone was turned around. It was not, but I will show you her gravestone. Let me see if I can stop it right there. That is her headstone. Mm. They do not have a birth date on it. They believe that she was approximately 63 years old and she died in 1905. Um, her name was S-E-R-I-L-D-A, Jane Wetzel. I'm not sure how you say it. She went by a couple different names. Now you have to understand many of the people um, in West Virginia at that time were illiterate. So her name, um, she went by Zelda Jane, which would have been an easy spelling. She went by Sarah Jane, again, another spelling from the name. But what was interesting is her grave marker was correct. The backwards grave marker was the warlock. They are literally facing each other. The warlock is here. Hers is here. The warlock is backwards. Hers is facing where everybody else is. And the warlock's name was T-U-S-C-A. Tuska Roy Morris. And he was born November the 11th, 1885. And he died December 30th, 1900. Was he like a well-known, like, town? Nope. No. They claimed that there was, um, he was the warlock and she was the witch. Now, his is facing away from the road. There were only two. Now, this is a fairly sizable cemetery. There were mm -hmm. only two facing away from the rest of them. All of them face, like, one way. Like, you can walk down the rows like you normally do and see all the names. His was facing hers. So they're facing each other like this. Mm -hmm. Hers is facing out, which all of them are. His is facing back. There was one other one there. And we actually met the caretaker while we were up there. So, I mean, this was like, it was great. He was up there cutting the grass. Um, let me see if I can get Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So we were there, we filmed it. You can hear us all talking in the background. Right. It's pretty neat. And you can see the witch's grave is facing out. His is facing the opposite way. Mm -hmm. That's pretty neat. Which is, but this is a, Tuska Roy, T-U-S-C-A is the first name. Middle name is Roy, so that would be male. 
Mars, but they have the birth date on this one, 1885. There's no birth date on that one, but they assume, see, they even have the date wrong on the website because they have 1909 on the website because that's what I was trying to, Deb and I were looking it up, so I knew what I was talking about. And there's just uh, one there. Most of these graves were just, from the early yeah, to I'm late sure. 1800s. Yeah. It's really neat. That black one? Thank you. <laughs> That's a caretaker we were talking to. Watch out. Some of this is sunk in. Don't want to fall. It's an old cemetery. So we went to the black one because he told us the black one was the only two turned around was the warlock, which was that one, and this black one. This black one has a new headstone on it. Um, once we looked at it, we knew it was new. Someone had put it on there, and I don't know why they turned it facing Look in the other direction. Name. Remember we looked up Oprah's real name? Oprah's real name was Orpha from the Book of Ruth. I have never seen and they spelled it over. I've never seen that name before. It's from the Book of Ruth. That's the whole church. Whoa. It's tiny. All the churches back there are small. Yeah. So I'm hiking across this in the heat. It oh, was it sure is. Yeah. Now we got up to it, and you can see it's asked, it's etched, it's uh, laser etched. So that kind of gave it away a little bit, right? And it's backwards. It doesn't necessarily mean that the sun was This bottom part was, because look, this is when it was put in. See the old concrete? You weren't going to move that bottom piece. This top piece might be new, but that's that's old. That's original. Look at that one. It matches. All they did was bump this down. That's my cousins. We were all out there. Having fun. So what is the significance of that one? The significance is when a gravestone is turned backwards, um, there's few reasons to do that. Number one, nobody usually does that because when you're walking to find it, that's why they're all facing the same way. If one is put backwards, it was always thought that that person or persons were either excommunicated from the church, were mm. somehow bad people, and you turned them backwards, so they turned their back on God. Type right. thing. So we're not sure. We, we can't find any more information. You have to understand these are really old sites, and there's not a lot of people left. So right. that one was turned backwards. Now, it had a new headstone on it because it, it was laser etched. We figured that out, but the bottom stone was actual. Why they put it on backwards as a new stone is beyond me. Hmm. Um, because that's never done. That's kind of like a no, no thing to do. It's 
right like walking across somebody's grave you just don't do it um but we found it interesting that it was very age-wise the dates were very similar but it was a new headstone uh many of the headstones that we saw there the burials were in the 1880s right so it's it's very very old we were um we had a lot of fun looking at it but that is the witch of mannington um it claims on the website that she had a her stairway many of you have to understand the symbology of gravestones there's a whole reference um the top of hers had a bible that was open and then it had you couldn't see it hardly at all it was really really fine steps like going into heaven well, according to the gravesite, it was upside down. Well, there's no way it could have been upside down because the book of the Bible was open on the top of it. So right. there was a lot of inconsistencies. And I was really kind of disappointed because I was going by what the website said, and I thought she had her stuff together, but evidently not. But right. there was claimed to be satanic, satanic rituals going on at the church. Mm -hmm. um, the church is no longer in service and it looked like it hadn't been for a while, but the caretaker takes care of the grass up there. Um, many times kids and from my understanding from my cousins who of course wasn't them, uh, it was others of their class. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. They're about as innocent as I am. Um, they used to go up there and party at night as kids. So that was a party site. That's why everybody knew where it was that was younger than us, because that's what they used to do is go up there and party, I guess, and get scared, you know, ghost story kind of things. Right. Um, but it could not have been turned. What they said, it could not have been turned around. It was set in the ground. You weren't moving that marker. So all of that was conjecture on this person's part um, because nothing was turned around, although the person who they claim, Roy, whatever, Morris, who was the warlock, his was turned backwards. Right. And facing hers. And he died five years before she did. Mm -hmm. So that's really weird because if, if they would have dug his site, they would have dug it with the, his head touching the headstone. That's why they're called headstones right hers they wouldn't have been able to put her in it because he would have been in her spot right so he was actually buried the uh, behind his headstone interesting so it was really confusing because we were up there looking around and trying to figure out you know what was going on because if you put a body in you put the headstone here now in many old cemeteries you have a headstone and sometimes you have a footstone usually if they were in the military they will put a copper footstone mm. at this end and your headstone is at this end right and you're in between mm -hmm. okay so we looked for any kind of headstone or you know a copper stone for him there was nothing there there was no footstone so he must have been buried that way and for whatever reason and this headstone on his had not been moved either, was facing the opposite direction, directly where hers was placed. Mm. Because hers was placed after his, five years. So that was just a little cold. There were no vibrations. I'll tell you, most of the time, 
uh, cemeteries hold some spirits, but not a whole lot because they're usually out haunting or going to where they were happy in life or where there was something in life that's holding them. So everybody thinks, oh, they're full. They're not really full. There's, there's still some there. You can feel some, but it wasn't, you know, it was just like any other. I've been to three cemeteries this week. So yeah. um, visiting my relatives. Um, so I, there was nothing there, but it was just interesting that it wasn't her headstone that was turned. It was his. And then right. we found the other headstone and that was put on much later. I mean, et laser etching marble is not that old. I mean, it's even acid etching marble is fairly a new in invention. I mean, they didn't do that back in the early 1900s. So right. the other headstone facing the other way was interesting too, because again, the body would have been here and the headstone should be up here. And it's here where the footstone should be. Mm -hmm. So, and, and the caretaker didn't have any information. And unfortunately, um, with a lot of these small cemeteries, they're family owned or they're owned by a small group of people. And if the church is not being used, like that church is not, the church is actually sitting inside the cemetery. Right. So uh, if it was a viable church and there was still something going on, we could always call the minister, but it is not a viable church. It is boarded up. You know, it's one of the little clapboard churches that would seat at most, most 15 people. Oh, wow. And that's most of the churches back there. So that was interesting. I'm going to try to get all these wonderful things on the site so that you can all see them and um, experience the, the fun trip I had. It lives in the cemetery. Of course, we, we talked the whole time. That's my cousin. The voices you heard were my cousins. We were all just talking and trying to figure out. We, someone told me we sounded alike. And when I heard the recording, I'm like, oh, my gosh, we all sound alike, don't we? Um, oh terrible. Um, but it was a really interesting trip. We got to see the, some of the sites, you know, in the old cemetery. But this is actually, um, it's a wonderful hill that we had to drive up. Uh, you could only go like two miles an hour. Um, nothing was paved. And that's the way most of the churches are. Most of the small towns are back there. Um, the main road will be paved, but the other side roads are. Now, this had um, crush and run gravel on it. So that and it wasn't that old. So someone has come up and, you know, taking care of it because they still have things that go on up in that area. Um, oh. So it, it wasn't, it was bad. I mean, it was terrible driving up here. I mean, it was just, I was trying to take the pictures to let everybody know that, oh my goodness. Wow. That now that one looks steep right there. That, and that was coming that down the hill from the church, from the cemetery. Now that one looks particular. That looks way more steep than the first. Yeah. When you were and we were like, oh yes. So my cousin was, She's such a good driver. She just grabbed a hold of that steering wheel and she's going to get us down. Um, so thank you, Kelly, for not killing all of us. Um, and as you can see, you can't go very fast on these roads. It was just unbelievable. Um, it was, yeah, it was interesting. Many of the legends that um, surround West Virginia, there's actually, believe it or not, there's a book out. Um, 
And it is a book that has a lot of um, crazy things that happen in West Virginia. It's kind of like um, a lot of the things that happen in Marion County. Now I'm in Marion County, so it's a thing, believe it or not. And these were the haunted uh, stories. And I'm going to get the book because I didn't know it was out there. Or, girl, I, I would have, you know, I would have taken it up immediately. Now, the next one, West Virginia is full of fun stuff, guys. The next one is, and I have seen this on a show. And this is in, the name of the town is called Rock, West Virginia. Bear with me on this one. And it was an amusement park that was abandoned. Oh, I wanted to go to one of those. Well, you can go and it's a historical place in Rock, West Virginia. It's called Lake Shawnee Abandoned Amusement Park. And um, it, they have tours. Um, seriously. You can camp on the property if you so wish. <laughs> Don't know if I'd so wish. There are claims that um, it is haunted, that um, someone evidently died in, there's like a pond lake thing going on, and someone had died in there, a small child from my understanding. Oh, and uh, yeah, it has, they've had paranormal guys out there. Um, and that's where I saw it originally. I didn't know anything about it. I was watching one of those paranormal shows. Ghost Hunters? I'll have to look it up. Was it a show like that? It was like Ghost Hunters or, you know, one of those. I mean, Paranormal State, one of them. Um, one of the world's most haunted places. You can arrange a private tour. You can join paranormal investigators to ghost hunt or brave the dark carnival in October. And it was crippled long before the local entrepreneur, Conley, now I'm going to say his name wrong, I know, Sid Dow, broke ground for the circular swing. At least that's what most locals think. And they'll tell you that no one should have turned the grassy field into a carnival. Um, he purchased the property in the 1920s and had no idea it witnessed decades of bloody unrest. Ooh, so... Um, it originates in the 18th century. They said during the late 1700s, Mitchell Clay bought his young family out west and they established an 800-acre farm and raised 14 children. That was not unusual in those times to have that many children. Uh, and tragedy stuck in 1783. A Native American tribe, so they're claiming, slew two of the children while Mitchell was out hunting. And they kidnapped one of the boys, Ezekiel, only to burn him at the stake. Uh, Clay retaliated with help from other settlers. He tracked down several Native Americans and killed them. Um, the scarred homestead was never the same. The Clay property didn't attract much notice until the 1920s, and that's when the, the gentleman, Mr. Snowdow, uh, appeared with his rides and attractions. And he had circular swings, a water slide. I mean, he went all out for this. And it's funny because there is nothing around there that would attract anybody to this area. It's just like out in the middle of nowhere. And at some things, uh, at some point things started to go wrong. Lake Shawnee, fans know the facts. A little girl died on the swings and a boy drowned in the pond. All told, roughly six visitors died during the amusement park's brief history. 
And then in 1966, it was abandoned. Now, remember, 1966 is when on the other side of the state, you had Mothman coming on. So um, the slides faded um, before too long. They're rusty. You know, they rusted up and got all that. Um, after 20 years, another um, businessman approached Lake Shawnee, Gaylord White, and he bought the Sleepy Meadows, seemed ideal for a future neighborhood. Um, but as construction crews tore into the grass and soil, they unearthed bones and Native American artifacts. Mm. I turned out the amusement park sat atop an ancient burial ground. Isn't that so, always the case? Isn't it? And most of these skeletons actually belong to children. Well, I mean. And they claimed that they had some archaeologists go out there and they think the remains were there much, much earlier than the clay settlers. So it was always, quote unquote, cursed before clay even started there. So the White family decided not to challenge fate. Instead, um, they developed, you know, went elsewhere and they just left the burial ground and rides intact. That means Lake Shawnee will continue to stand. And that is in Mercer County. So um, if you want to go, you can actually go on to Lake Shawnee Amusement in West Virginia, and it will bring it up, and you can click on. They have paranormal groups that meet there regularly. They have, um, you know, you can go in and camp on the site if you so did that desire. I'm not sure I'd want to do that. The um, terrible thing. If Haley found out about that, she would be begging me to go up there. Oh, my God. It's it's really scary because they say it is haunted. They say that you can feel like all of a sudden the rides will start moving. The swings will just start moving. The wind won't be blowing. The, the swings just start moving. Um, if you want to visit in October for the dark carnival, as they call it, uh, you arrive at dusk and then they give you a tour and you have lighted bonfires and all kinds of stuff. So it's Lake Shawnee abandoned amusement park. So that's another one. So, and they have a whole setup and it's, I mean, look at the Ferris wheel. If that's not scary, I don't know what is. Ooh, I was wondering if it had like vines and yes, stuff. Yes, it does. Oh, yes. Um, it is, uh, you do ghost hunting. Um, and like, this is the old swing set. Ooh, that's what that's what makes it creepy when there's like vines and dead stuff on it and all the foliage on the old crap yeah, rusty that's what makes it creepy and then it's got an old abandoned vehicle on it i mean um it is here they show somebody camping you know and with the lights they turn the lights on at night so that you can see it um it, it's creepier it's creepy you know I, I admit they're creepy just looking at them um and that's a little unsettling there yeah, is yeah never i never did watch the american horror story circus season i need to watch them there you go um they did i now i can't remember i'm sure if you googled it you could find out which paranormal group went up there and watched their video they claimed um that they had a lot of um, different things that happen that were just not quite going in with everything else. So, um, you know, that's one of them. 
there are the Robert, uh, Dr. Robert B. McNutthouse. Um, and that was a little scary too. That was, um, TripAdvisor has this, and it, this is also in Mercer County. So you have to get to Mercer County to have it. Um, it's a beautiful house. It's the oldest house in the county and served as a Civil War field hospital. Now, I'm just going to leave that right there because, you know, if anything in the Civil War, um, yes. a field hospital had a lot of dead bodies. Right. So two future presidents stayed there as Union soldiers. Uh, it's well-preserved and free to the public to visit. The Chamber of Commerce is there now and happy to have tours if you want to do tours. But because it was a Civil War, as close as it could be to a field hospital, I'm sure that y'all just, if anybody's been to Gettysburg, yeah, no. Um, right. I, I'm not happy about it. Um, but that is another place to go in. Um, talk about because they they have all kinds of you know the haunted things going on with that um, and again a lot of the paranormal groups will um, actually go and especially around Halloween they will go and have the tours in the evening now Halloween mm -hmm. up here in the mountains is cold there's about even today um, the temperature was up near 90 and tonight it will be down in the 60s so that means you have a lot of ground fog and mist. Yeah. So just let me tell you, even if you live here, it can be creepy just walking out to your car in the morning. Okay. Cause you got all that going on. So, um, they have a lot of information about, <coughs> excuse me, about the, um, house. And it was supposed to have been, um, it was sold in for in 1847 it was sold for two hundred dollars and the doctor he was the only medical doctor between charleston and bristol virginia so that's charleston west virginia which is the capital not charlestown but charleston charlestown is out on the panhandle so between that and bristol virginia so you're talking way he was the only medical doctor which was not uncommon at that time right um, he was also the co-founder of Princeton Savings Bank and the only financial lending institution in town. Wow. West Virginia is very small. So they claim that that, since it is the, um, the oldest house in Princeton, as well as being a Civil War field hospital, they claim that they have all kinds of paranormal stuff going on all the time. So that would be another place if you wanted to go. Um, West Virginia has a, a lot of really cool history like that, um, and old history. Many of these houses are quite old. Um, and as they are old and you're sitting in the mountains and there's nothing else around, um, first of all, you're scared by the ground. There's no ground clutter. So the stars are like bling out at you. So already, if you're from the city, you are already disoriented. Yeah. Now let's add a little fog to that. Now, let me tell you how many critters are in the woods. Yeah. Okay. We saw four deer coming home daytime. They were, the little, they were only about yay big. So they was barely see them. They were on the side of the road. They went hopping into their whitetails. 
Um, they still have their spots on them. That's how young they were. They're little babies. Um, but you will not always see them because they're so small. If they're walking through the high grass, you don't see them, but you right. hear them. Okay. You're in the fog. Bambies. It's dark. There are no street lights. They're unheard of. Oh, I bet. And you've got something walking in the tall grass. Now, right. yeah, you don't know. Okay. At that point, you're doing one of two things. You're either screaming for help. Right. Exactly. Peeing your britches. Right. <laughs> are running like hell. Mm -hmm. so I'm putting it out there. Um, I only say that, and I'm not being mean to anybody. I only say that because if you're from the city and I bring you out here with no ground clutter, the stars just like are enormous. If you've ever gone somewhere like hunting it in the mountains, you have that. And it's really, it can be very disorienting if you're not used to street sidewalks, you know, uh, yeah. street lights and house lights. And when you shut your lights off here, it's dark. Oh, trust me. I've been in the, my mom lives out in the sticks. I, I grew up in the city, but I also grew up in the country in a sense, but I mean, yeah, I get it. Like I grew, I'm, I'm a hybrid. <laughs> well, I lived my summers back here. I was born back here and we were back here when I was a small child. And then I spent all of my summers and holidays back here. So I went to school in Baltimore, Maryland, which is, you know, city, huge, right. big. Um, and I would come back here in the summer. So yes. I had a, a bit of a strange growing up that way. So I ended up in all of them. There is a book and it's out and it's called Haunted West Virginia. Mm -hmm. um, West Virginia does have uh, a story of a young girl killed on the roadside in her prom dress. I think every small town in America has that one. Yeah. Uh, I'm just putting money out on that one. But, like a bride. Um, yeah, a bride or a girl in a prom dress or, you know, someone you pick up on the side of the road kind of thing. And if you look at the cover of the book, um, and it's, it's interesting. It's called Haunted West Virginia. You do see the picture of the young girl. Oh, okay. Okay, so that is a very popular, I don't want to say, I, it's more folklore, because every state and every small town seems to have that, where it was a prom, or it was a dance, or it was a wedding, or something along that lines, and there's a young lady who ends up, you know, whatever, and that's kind of a little unnerving, I'm sure, for most people. But um, there's a lot of those out there. Now, there's also um, Haunted West Virginia Ghost Stories and Strange Phenomenon, which is another book. Um, you have to understand you are, and I'm going to show that picture. And again, that was the same one. Okay, let's try this one. Yeah, Haunted West Virginia Ghost and Strange Behavior, Barnes & Noble. So uh, there's lots of that out there, um, all small towns, and I'm just putting it out there and I'm, um, for any small town, there are nuances in the territory, in the land itself. We are a coal mining community, That's right. whatever. I'm actually, literally, if you take a rock and toss it 
from her front porch, you hit the coal mine. Yeah. Wow. The Ida May coal mine. That's where I'm at. Ida May. Um, it did stop working in 1971, mm -hmm. but it was active until 1971. So it's literally across the street. Wow. Yeah. So um, that's interesting. Now you have to understand with a coal mine, um, the ground underneath does shift. There are lots of nuances with the ground itself because you've got, you know, they're digging coal out of you. So you're going to have sinkholes and other things of that nature. So with each small town, you do have that. Now I'm showing you a picture from her front porch and that grassy area right there is where the coal mine was. Oh, wow. So That's like I said, I can, this is the road. This is, yeah, that is. Wow. That so, is close. Yeah, that is up and close. And um, that is her backyard and that is her neighbor's driveway, which comes down and around. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, it's, um, if you see, this is her driveway right here. This is the road in front of her house and that is the main road. If you look way back there, that's post office. That little tiny, tiny, tiny building. Oh my goodness. That's funny. And it's only open till 12 o'clock, Monday through Friday and Saturday. It's open from 8 a.m. to 9.45 a.m. And they don't get mail delivery at their house. Welcome to West Virginia. Oh my gosh. Oh Run that my gosh. one more time. What are the hours again? 8 to 12, Monday through Friday, and Saturday, 8 to 9.45. And they don't deliver mail? They, no, that's where you have to get your mail as well as drop off your mail. So what do people do that work? They try to get there on Saturday morning between... Eight nine forty five. So the entire town that works is there in an hour and forty five minutes. So the whole town is there. So they're like, that's crazy. But but how? What's the population like though? Like, um, well, this is not a town. Um, it's I mean, a hall. No, I'm not in a holler, actually. This is a community. It's a little different. Um, and I, I have to explain what an incorporated is, an unincorporated is, a township is, a city is, and a community. Okay, they're all different, and they all have different um, ways of how many people yeah. are in them. Um I don't know. I'm going to find out real quick for y'all how many people are in Ida Do not laugh. In 2019, the population was 616 people. Wow. Now, the town, the town near the, the holler that I grew up in, do not laugh. Um, the actual town is called Rachel, just like the, the girl's name, Rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L. Okay. Okay. And let's see. 
and in 2019, the population of Rachel, West Virginia was 289 people. I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> now, oh yes, um, it is very small and I don't even know if they have a population. Oh my gosh. Um, okay, okay, now what is, okay, now let me see. I'm going to line up where so, I was. Actually, so that's where you were born or that's where you grew up? That's where I grew up. I was, my birth certificate, they usually put the largest city that you're, the city that would have a city hall in it is what they put on your birth certificate. Mine says Fairmont. So not the hospital that you were born, not the city of the hospital you were born. Well, that's where the hospital was located and I was taken there after birth. So they put it on there. I was born in Fairmont. Mm. I wasn't, but that's how they did it back then because there is no city township or legal entity that could deem me a certificate of live birth because oh. if you're mid unless you're midwifed and to avoid the midwife issue and I can explain what it, how that issue works is they gave you they took you to the hospital they put your two feet on your birth certificate it's about yay big and then the um, the capital well, if you have to call them to get a copy of a certificate of live birth is what you use for your identification purposes. So when they right. tell you they want a birth certificate, they don't. Most states require a certificate of live birth. And that's a different, that's usually a little piece of paper about yay big that, you know, the hospital does not issue those. That's issued by the county seats. Okay. So that's what it is. And if you're, if you're home birth, um, and this is before hospitals. Um, the hospital is in Fairmont. I'm all the way in Plumeron. Um, it was about an hour, hour and a half. Don't laugh. It's about an hour and a half to the hospital. I mean, you and Nancy did it. It's so much fun. Um, so, right. so I have to look up the difference. I'm sorry. Uh, oh, it's so much fun. Now, hospitals used to give you a birth certificate saying that you were birthed at that hospital. And some of them, you have your footprint on them or your handprint. And it's from the hospital. And it's about yay big. And it says the name of the hospital, the doctor that delivered you, and all that pertinent information. But that is not illegal. I, trust me, I tried to get my driver's license with mine. And I was told I have to call the county seat in order to get my certificate of live birth. My father so issued, oh, I know she was born. She's right here. Thank mm. you, Daddy. Uh, that's not what I needed when I went to get my driver's license. Right. So in the state of Maryland, I had to have West Virginia issue me a certificate of live birth, which is not the same as a birth certificate. Right. So you will find that out. I learned that when I had to go through getting my mom's birth certificate for whenever they did the... Um, whole immigration tightening up when Arizona and Texas passed that thing where they tighten up the laws several years back. 
Well, my mom was living in Texas at the time with her boyfriend. And uh, she went to update her Florida driver's license to her Texas license. And they wanted to deport her because they thought she was an illegal immigrant. And she'd been in the United States forever. She'd gone to, grew up and gone to school here. She had her social... Because she was born in the Bahamas. So... She's technically Bahamian. <laughs> and uh, cool. so go through the whole thing of taking her to the immigration office and all this stuff. And I was like, and my grandmother passed when I was eight. So it's not like I could be like, hey, grandma, what the hell did you do? <laughs> like, she was 16, at, you know, when she did all that. And oh my gosh. And I had to, they had to contact California records. It was a nightmare. And, the, and that's when I learned about that whole live yeah i learned about it when now they let me go to school with mm -hmm. my birth certificate in maryland but when it came down to the government saying okay we're going to issue a driver's license no we're not right. so it was a matter of having to go through the hoops in order to get all that stuff so <clears throat> it was a royal pain where i didn't need one but i didn't get it no. i kept my west virginia license and said damn it i ain't doing it um, so to compare real quick, your 200 and whatever population. So where I was born was Stockton, California. <laughs> so as of 2020, the population was 314,835. It is the 13th largest city in California and the 62nd largest city in the United States. Yeah. But I haven't lived there since I was like three. So Jacksonville, um, where I've lived since I was like three uh, and still live today, as of 2020, and I wish people would stop moving here. You're going to, shit, 929,000. Oh, my goodness. 647. Wait a minute. 900,000. Is that what you just said? 929,647. It is the largest city in Florida and the 13th largest city in the United States. All right. Now you just said 900,000 in that city in Jacksonville, right? The entire state of West Virginia has 1.7 million. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so basically Jacksonville is about size of West Virginia <laughs> population wise. Okay. So if you doubled the population of Jacksonville, <laughs> you have the entire state of West Virginia. Right. Right. Oh my goodness. It's insane. And I think, like I said, I think my county is the largest landmass in the whole East Coast. It's insane. I, I, I'm telling you, like, 
200 people and you're telling me it's 900,000. Yeah. Whenever we changed our cell phone provider, I, when I was trying to port my number over it, we had to keep coming up with a different zip code or it was not my phone number. It was for my iPad or something like that. Um, cause I upgraded my iPad. So I had to come up with a new phone number and which I don't care cause I don't like use a phone number for the iPad. And we had to keep coming up with different zip codes until we can find an available number. We got to like number fifth, like number 28 zip code there. And I, and I asked the lady cause she was looking at a list and she goes, your city has over 52 zip codes in it. And I was like, holy crap, N not my county. <laughs> I was like, holy crap. <laughs> so wow, I I'm wanted because I was I wanted to keep the same area code. I didn't want a different area. code. Right, right. Well, we have one area code 304. We have 904. I was like, I don't want a different area code. That'll my OCD will Oh, that will drive my OCD. And I don't live anywhere. I've never had a different area code than 904. <laughs> it's like that will drive me insane if I have a different area code. I just can't believe that if I doubled Jacksonville, Florida, not I even doubled. The state of West Virginia, not even doubled, like one and a quarter, not even one and a quarter, less than one and a quarter. I know. It's like, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so when I tell you that people here live in little villages, I am not exaggerating. I mean, 200, that's crazy. 230. 289 now come on that's, right. that's that's a little town um it's it's interesting here um it is very interesting i'm going to try and get all these i'm going to figure out i'm going to i'm going to call our techs tomorrow <laughs> so they can figure out how i can get these stupid things uploaded but i will upload some of the pictures to the website so y'all can get a good ha ha over them now if you are in a rural town like this, herb medicine is extremely important. Um, and a healer is extremely important because you could not get to a doctor. Your midwives and your healers were the first people you called. The second in line were your veterinarians and the third would be a doctor if you could find one. Now, as you saw in the 1800s, they had one doctor that oh, served everything from there to Virginia. So we're not exaggerating when we say now you have to understand also West Virginia roads are not straight by any stretch of the imagination. It did not look like it. Oh, and that was a pretty straight road. I will okay. tell you the roads are and I, I don't joke at this. If you do have any type of I don't know, sea sickness motion sickness you will have to take dramamine to drive in that's west virginia crazy. that's crazy to think of that because i never associate that like i always think of a boat because i'm surrounded by what i don't think of when you're well, doing... also i've never had i've never had issues with car sickness either right well so. car, it's motion sickness and it's when you're moving so much that your your inner ear is 
right. know, sloshing around, that's what makes you sick. So usually it's a boat because of the motion of the boat. But right. when you're driving like this. Yeah. It's kind of like a boat. And that's just to get to the grocery store. Right. Oh, gosh. Okay. I have pictures of us driving where I'm just holding it like this in the car. And you are seeing the road as we go like this. And yeah. So our road system. And a lot of people have pickup trucks there. Oh, everybody's got pickup trucks and yeah, for those roads. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It's, it's a redneck, okay? Yeah, of course. Hill folk. Um, but if you're going from one town to another, the roads, the speed limit on most of them are only 25 to 35 miles an hour because oh, the I curves bet. are all hairpin curves. I you bet. will take a curve and almost literally go back on itself. So when I'm telling you it's only 12 miles down the street, it was 12 miles to go from Fairmont to Grafton, and it was 47 minutes. Wow. That's because I can't tell you how many. It's 12 miles as a crow flies, but the road going there is, yeah. Wow. So, yeah, we, um, we left here, and we went to... Um, Grafton, uh, 11 East Main Street, and it took us, um, it took us 47 minutes, I believe it was. Um, I gotta spell Grafton, here we go. I can't spell to save myself today. <laughs> um, that's because I've been in West Virginia all week. Oops, <laughs> I drop it. it was 25 miles, sorry, and it was 42 minutes. Mm. Now, that sounds about right. That's about how far it is from here to St. Augustine. But do you see the road? Yeah, the road looks nuts. Yeah. Okay. And most of the speed limit was between 25 and 35 miles an hour. Oh, wow. That's crazy. So when we say we, you know, it takes all day to go somewhere, it does, unfortunately, due to the... Now, that doesn't even include going through some small towns on your way through. Right. Um, we you know, my sister is from West Virginia. I can't remember what city. She was born She was born there. I don't remember how. I, she didn't live there very long. She, she grew up half her, the first part of her childhood in Lexington Park, Maryland. And then she moved down here. Yeah, and then she moved down here. Um, when her mom, she's my stepsister, but we don't use that word. Um, her mom married my dad. And, uh, but the scary, kind of going back, because um, I meant to bring it up earlier, and we kind of moved on to the coal mining thing. But the scariest ghost story ever, ever, my stepmom told us when we were kids. She told us it happened in West Virginia. <laughs> I'll never forget it. We were swimming in the pool. It was summertime. We were swimming in the pool. It was at night because we love to go night swimming. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun because we would, they would have those lights in the pool. And so, of course, that made it scarier because we were probably like 10, 11, 12, around that age, like Haley's age now. And um, I can't remember all the details, but it was some story she would – and I don't know if she was pulling our leg or if it was really a famous ghost story, but it was some story about like 
this baby like you would hear it in the woods like this like this truck was driving down this like deserted woods with no lights on and and you would hear this baby crying when you're driving so um this couple stopped and they walked in the woods and there was this shack in the woods and they kept hearing this baby cry and then they saw like this random high chair in the woods and the crying got louder so they walked closer and closer and then something about like a tree falling on the high chair and then the crying stopped but then there was no baby and then of course it was like the whole raw thing and she scared us but but it was like a true story i don't know it was so weird i don't remember all the details but it scared the crap out of us <laughs> it was like well like I said, when you come back here, if you're from the city, and I'm, I'm not, I grew up in the city. I'm more of a city girl because I grew up um, just outside of Baltimore City. I grew up in Baltimore County in mm-hmm. Maryland, which is huge. I mean, really huge. Oh, yeah. Um, it's the Baltimore County is the most populated county in Maryland. Baltimore mm-hmm. City is the largest city in Maryland. I grew up, I grew up like maybe five five to 10 miles away from the heart of Baltimore city. Right. So I was just in the County and, um, you get used to streetlights, you get used to sidewalks, you get used to, to roads and, um, guardrails on roads are right. kind of cool. Um, they don't, you know, that's for sissies. Yeah. So yeah, we don't have guardrails. We have 40 foot straight drops and you just, learn not to drive on the side of the road (laughs) you learn how to bank your curves when you're going you're driving you bank them just right it's it's very different back here with that being said one of those spotlights on my pickup like so i make sure i'm not falling over the edge yes you really do because there are no street lights so when you're driving back here in the dark the road is pitch black be hugging the wall of the other side or be, be hugging well, that's the mountain that goes up so the mountain goes up you have the road and then you have the side drop that's all right i'll be hugging the mountain and be like oh too close too close at least i'm not going over the edge falling to my death <laughs> this is true but when you're here the like i said there's no ground clutter except right. around the big towns like Charleston right. and places like that, Clarksburg. But if you're right. in the smaller towns, like where I'm at, there are a few streetlights here and there, but it's, it's not a lot. So that in itself is disorienting because you're used to being, look at Jacksonville. You got streetlights all over. Your apartment complex has lights all over. Right. You walk out to your car, you actually lose a shadow. Right. Yeah. Walking out to your car. Cause that's how much light you have. Unless you turn on the porch light, you may not have light. Right. Yeah. So when it gets dark, it gets pitch. Yeah. So then you're relying on your eyes to readjust, to pick up enough light for you to actually see. So right. you need so much light in order to see. So well, trust me, when I go out to my mom, trust me, there's a certain part where you get into a certain part of town and like i said jacksonville is huge so if you go to a certain part of town there will be an area where there's no street 
Well, I, I shouldn't say Jacksonville. It'll be outside of Jacksonville, right. but especially like where my mom lives, there'd be a certain part. If you're driving at night, it's just like, boom, no street lights, And you have to like immediately adjust. And it's right. like, and you cannot always clearly see, especially when you're driving and you're used to having light. Mm -hmm. Like when I drive, uh, St. Pete is very small compared to right. Jacksonville. We're a small town, but I don't know anywhere in St. Pete where they don't have street lights. Right. Yeah. It's more the outskirts here, but there's plenty, there's plenty of places. If you drive like an hour outside of here, yeah. Just like if I go an hour outside, but I'm driving around St. Pete all the time, you know, there's plenty of lights. I don't have to worry about, you know, trying to find a road sign. Oh, and the road signs here. You'll love it. I swear. Oh my gosh. Little letters. I mean, that's why you can't do more than 25 miles an hour. Cause you cannot see road signs. Oh my goodness. We're traveling along. Did the, did the roads even show up on GPS? Not all of them. And uh we, this honest truth, we were going out to the cemetery. I had to ask. <laughs> and we're going along and I pick my phone up and I'm ready to, to GPS something. And my cousin looks over and goes, <laughs> you ain't got service. Wait, uh -huh. no, I don't have service. She says, we got to get up on top of the hill again before you get service. We were going through town. We were going through you town. You have to be like, <laughs> oh my and gosh. It was like I I don't have service. And then we went a little bit further. Oh, I got service again. So if you are GPSing, you gotta do it the old fashioned way. You are SOL. Yeah. Points you will drop. Now when I come to your place from St. Pete, there mm -hmm. are a couple places where I actually drop. Oh, wow. Some of the little um, roads before coming into Jacksonville, I've already passed all the big cities and I'm, I'm coming into Jacksonville. There are two places where I drop every mm -hmm. time. It's 16A. Yeah. I drop That's there as I'm coming in, it dips. And when mm -hmm. it dips and I'm going along the road like this, I feel like I'm right at home. There's no street lights. It's all, and I'm just driving. Oh yeah. It's West Virginia. No, it's Florida. Okay. Um, and I can tell it's Florida because I'm not going up and down. Yep. That's one of those streets. So it's, it's one of those. If you drive that night, Mike and I used to do midnight drives when my mom would have the kids. We used to take that street at night cause it would be pitch black. We, we saw a Fox out at night. One time we had a bright sun. Well, now, so, can you imagine you're going in an area that you're not familiar with? You have no ground clutter, which means you have, the ground clutter means the lights on the ground from um, street lights, storefronts, your mm -hmm. own personal lights in your house. That's right. called ground clutter. If you ever go out to observe the constellations, you want to get away from that so that you can right. see them much clearer. But if you're driving or walking and there is no ground clutter and it's pitch, your eyes will, they don't, it's not playing tricks on you. It's your, your brain trying to figure out what your eyes are picking up. Cause there's not enough, not enough light to discern what you're looking at. Right. So you'll see all kinds of shit in the leaves and in the grass mm -hmm. and all around you, you're going to be hearing sounds you're not used to hearing. 
animals make noises and it's not the noises you think they make. There are certain deer called sicka deer. They whistle like a person. It sounds just like someone whistling. Mm. They're usually on the Eastern shore of Maryland. They were brought in by the Japanese as a gift to somebody and they got loose. And now there's, they're very small deer, but there's a whole ton of them on the Eastern shore of Maryland. If you're sitting there in a tree deer stand, you will hear someone whistling and you're going to think it's a person whistling. It's a stupid deer. Okay. They make grunting noises. They squeal. Mm. They chatter. That's just deer. We're not talking about like who's cat calling and who's making fun of me. (laughs) Right. And you're sitting there. And I mean, that's just them. Then you've got the possums, you've got the raccoons, you've got, there are several types of deer here. Um, Way back in the day, I remember as a child, I was really little. I probably heard one of the last bobcats growl and howl. But they were very, uh, mountain lions is what they used to call them, but they were more bobcats. Um, And they were very prevalent in West Virginia at one time, but they were hunted to basically extinction. But you you will hear animals make noises that you would never hear in the city because you don't hear them because there's too much noise going on. Yeah, you don't. There's been a few times where I've seen, believe it or not, getting on um, I-295 right before I hit I-95, when I get on the exit or like when I'm getting on the on-ramp from my street on to the interstate, I have seen a family of deer on the side of the interstate right off the edge of the the woods because there would be woods before they eventually tear that down to build condos or whatever the hell like we but need. here it is nothing i mean literally yeah. my cousin picked me up she's like okay watch for deer she's oh, like, I know. watch for deer while i drive i'm like oh shit i yeah. forgot they're they're horrible here they're terrible oh, yeah. i mean daylight today you saw the pictures where we were driving that's how mm-hmm. daylight it was and the little ones were crossing the road the whole time Oh, I bet. Yeah, because, you know, we came up a lot of them. Because there's not as much traffic. I mean, right. There's not as much traffic and the deer, they're really bad for roses. Oh my gosh. Do not try to grow roses. They will eat every one of them. They have, evidently they taste good. I don't know. I've Mm. not eaten. I had rose hip tea and we've had rose, you know, rose petal tea. I've not eaten rose petals, but evidently the deer like them. But they will yeah. come right into your yard. That is, and you don't feed them or anything because you try not to because you don't want them in your yard because they're eating your damn flowers. Um, yeah. That's not that's not uncommon here. Animals, like I said, make noises. You're sitting in the woods and you're hearing growling and noises. You don't know what it is. You have no idea what it is. And if you're more city-fied, um, and, oh, I know what a possum is. Well, do you know the noises a possum makes? Have you ever heard a rabbit hiss and squeal? Rabbit <laughs> hiss like cats when yes, they get angry. Actually. <laughs> so if you're not used to that, you think rabbits don't make no- noises and they're so little cute. Yeah, right. You hear one of them out there mating or, you know, tearing up somebody. They hiss like cats and they, they've got to squeal. Yeah. So you... You know, if you're not expecting that, you're going to hear this hissing noise and like, oh my gosh, 
You know, right. it sounds like a cat hissing. It's not. And that's the other thing. There's dozens of cats everywhere. Yes. Um, they're always they're feral. Um, and here it's, it's very common just to let them out and let them run and catch the prey and keep the rodents down. But mm -hmm. it's, it's different. It's a different lifestyle and it's a lot of fun there. Um, again, we went out to eat, but we had to drive all the way into the big city to get food because there's no restaurants around. Oh my God. There are, there's very few places to really go. I bet. Yeah. So it's, it's fun. It's interesting. I'm going to be posting more and more fun stuff. Um, I leave. I leave on Sunday. Oh, um, part of me doesn't want to leave. I really love it here. I mean, I grew up here. The, the only thing that forces me down south is the cold. Yeah. Yeah. When I, couldn't live, I couldn't live in the cold. I mean, I would love to visit, but I couldn't. I've been in Florida for way too long. My husband was born and raised in Florida. My kids born and raised. I mean, it would be so fun to visit. I just don't think. Plus, I get cold easily. I just, I don't know. I just. The cold here is cold. The snow here snows you in. You don't get out of where you yeah, live. I couldn't deal with that. So, you know, you're stuck. Plus, driving in it. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Well, like I can drive in it on flat land, let alone steepness. No way, Jose. Oh, you would have fun on these roads. I'm, some of these pictures are just for you so you can see our roads. Um, yeah. I'm actually going to a very big event in Morgantown. We got to drive clean into Morgantown, as they say. And it's called, do not laugh, chocolate, wine, and shine. And when they say shine, they're not talking about rise and shine. We're talking moonshine. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, it's, are they gonna? Are they gonna be doing spoons there? I am not sure what's going on. They've got a DJ. They've got all kinds of stuff planned. This is their first foray into this. Um, I used to do wine tasting. I used to work for Solomon Island Wineries in Maryland, and I used to do the wine tasting in Columbia, in Carroll County, and everywhere around. I I worked for him and did the wine shows and the the big open one. So I'm very much a connoisseur of, you know, the wine stuff. So we're going to, we're going to see what happens. This, this is going to be real interesting. Um, it's Saturday. Uh, we bought tickets, so mm -hmm. I'm going, um, I'm going to try and take some pics there and just, you know, we can see how much fun it is. Um, yeah, I'm definitely fun. taking pictures of the produce, uh, the products there because yeah. I definitely want to, I'm tempted to taste the wine. And y'all know I do drink wine, mm -hmm. um, but I am not sure if it's drinkable. We're going to test it. The moonshine. Oh, goodness gracious. I'm you just better give reviews on that. Oh, it's girl. Like it's going to be fancy. I'll be disappointed if they're not spoons and banjos. I'm just going to say. Well, I'm going to tell you, um, Morgantown is a big town. So mm -hmm. it's a little bit more um, city side. Yeah. So we're going to see how this goes i mean i'm very much interested in to see how this goes i i think it's going to be a lot of fun if i can pick up any more ghost stories while i'm out i will definitely do that so we've kind of debunked the witch of mannington um you got the witch of rachel right here so um that works out really well um i have been handing out my cards to my family so they're probably horrified at this point 
Um, we do have the cards, and I've been handing them out. I'm so proud of them. Um, my family's got and speaking of, because of the occasion, we are going to have our, we again do not have a winner. Um, so don't forget to email teatimemc at gmail.com. And that's teatime, T-H-Y-M-E-M-C at gmail.com. That's, and then T in front of it, of course, T-E-A. Um, time mc at gmail.com so the keyword or key phrase this week is going to be west virginia and or in honor of pam's visit <laughs> so she's having fun with her family and we're uh, so excited to talk about the myths and the mothman and the ghost stories and the mother's day and father's day and all the fun stuff there i will have our text our techie guys um, walk me through how to do this. I may have to, um, well, shoot, I'm leaving Sanford, so I could ride to your house from Sanford very quickly because you're not that far from Sanford, are you? No, not too far. Okay. I have to fly out of Sanford. It's a two-and-a-half-hour ride to the airport for an hour and 56-minute ride in the air because none of the other airports go to Westford. <laughs> right. That's but it's such, such a good show again, and we will have something fun planned for you next week, as always. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our Facebook page, Tea Time with Mother and Crone. And you can always watch us live when we record on Wednesdays or Thursdays, sometimes Fridays, depending on our schedule. Um, go to our YouTube channel and subscribe, Tea Time with Mother and Crone. And always thank you so much for your support. Right. And I just got an, I just saw a little email from Reverend Corey. And she wrote on there very cutely that uh, Mr. K loves Mothman. Yes. So I have another fan in the house. Yes. (laughs) And he also loves um, Bigfoot as well. And um, I think he wants to be a guest on a future show. So we may have to have, may have to do that zoology episode and see if we can have him be a guest. Oh my gosh, that would be so fun! I love that. Would be just talking about all the fun stuff. Then I would have to bring up everything. I mean, that would include Chessie from the Chesapeake Bay because okay. we have a Loch Ness instead of Nessie. Yeah, Chesapeake Bay. We have Chessie. Yes. So there really is a Chesapeake Bay monster supposedly in the Chesapeake Bay. And as many times as I've been out there, I've never seen it, but it would be fun to try. Um, So we want you all to tune in. Um, Make sure that you do like us on all of that good stuff. If you have questions, complaints, or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Um, Keep the complaints for the complaint department. (laughs) Yeah, which is closed Monday through Friday, 12 to 12, and is open on the third Saturday of each month that ends in E. (laughs) There you go. You like those directions. If you can follow that, good for you. Um, But I just want to say thank you all for um, coming to the show and listening to us. Um, There'll be more pictures to follow this. And I was just informed that the first football game that West Virginia U is playing is playing against my Maryland Terrapins. So my alma mater is (laughs) University of Maryland. (laughs) So when that happens, my heart gets torn in two because I never know which side to root for. Oh my gosh! My college or my home state. So that let's that's pray easy. for pray for Pam. Yes, please <laughs> pray for me. It's it's rough, um, but we'll see y'all in the next show. 
Everybody take care, be safe out there, and have a great rest of the week. Blessed be. Blessed be.